Every week around the NFL, we take a look at some coaching decisions, good and bad, as we go inside the film room and explain it for you. Uh, and to the topic today, we'll talk about the Cardinals and their game plan against the Cowboys. Uh, we'll talk about the, the Packers and the decision that they made. Brandon Staley making a decision. Josh McDaniels, Eric Bieniemy, um, uh, in, in some of the decision he's made, and the Vikings making a decision. We're going to break all of those down for you and tell you what we like, what we didn't like about them. That is the topic on today's Landry Football Podcast on the Landry Football Podcast Network, which you can get by subscribing, liking, and sharing the Landry Football Podcast Network on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. You can get more detailed breakdowns of the game of football, college football, NFL, at LandryFootball.com. Folks, you can try it out for a month. It's less than $10 a month. You can try it out for six months. Or you can get the football season uh, package, which is the best deal that we've got going. Um, it is a 12-month package that will not only get you through the season, but it will get you through the scouting season, the recruiting and transfer portal, free agency, the draft. You name it, we cover it all, all year long at LandryFootball.com. So check it out today. So there were multiple analytical decisions made in week three. Um, Matt LaFleur followed the math. Josh McDaniels, not so much. The Chardoners, Brandon Saley, made a, another controversial decision. The Cardinals uh, are really doing a very good job coaching, and I think that um, Eric Benny made a mistake um, that we're going to get into. So what did I like? I'm going to start with the Cardinals game plan. The offense coordinator, Chu Pendick, um, second week in a row, he's put together a creative game plan that really confused opposing defenses. Uh, I liked his plan to spread the Cowboys out and run the ball at them with a lot of dressed up run concepts and hit them deep with creative play action shots. In week three, Cardinals had the highest rushing success percentage against the Cowboys defense that some feel can be historically good. But they're really good against the pass, not so much in the run game. I love the use of Rondell Moore as a wide back and giving him carries. On the long touchdown, the Cardinals came out in um, 0-1 personnel. No running backs, one tight end, and four receivers. Cowboys responded with their dime personnel, six defensive backs. Before the snap, they looked too uh, confused on how to line up against the Cardinals' formation. The dime backer, Marquis Bell, lined up in the box while actually – the linebacker, Leighton Vander Esch, lined up outside the box. The Cardinals ran a mid-zone concept that the offensive line was able to easily block against the Cowboys' very light front, and Moore was untouched running 45 yards to pay dirt. The design is a variation of a popular throwback boot concept from the Shanahan disciples called the Hiccup. His version is from the shotgun, with Wilson just running a divide route across the field. The idea is to boot in one direction to get the defense flowing that way while a receiver runs in the opposite direction away from the flow of the defense. As Dobb booted to the left, the entire Cowboys defense followed, adhering to their boot rules, and left Wilson wide open running to the right. <clears throat> the pulling odd Will Hernandez just did enough getting in front of Micah Parsons to give Dobbs enough time to set up and throw. Before the season, um, I thought the Cardinals were going to be an easy win. They've proven that they're feisty, they're well-coached, and they ain't going to lay down on anybody. They lost big leads in their first two games. They were ready to play against an undermanned Cowboys team that wasn't ready to play. The Cowboys were clearly out-coached in this game. 
Second topic, Packers going for two when they were down eight points. The Packers were down 17 points in the fourth quarter. After a field goal, they closed the gap to 14. With 7.02 left in the game, they scored their first touchdown of the game, got within eight. They could have kicked the extra point to get within seven, but LaFleur went with the analytical sound decision by going for two that converted and gave themselves a chance to win the game in regulation, which they did when Jordan Love threw an eight-yard touchdown pass to Romeo Dubs and kicker Zanders Carlson converted the extra point to go up by one. Why was going for two the analytically sound decision? Understand that these percentages are based on league averages. Generally, it's a coin flip to win when games go into overtime. Trying to win the game in regulation puts control in your hands. Now, I always say you have to put football judgment in to your decisions of how do you feel you can execute a certain play or plays against the team you're playing. That has to override the risk factor in certain cases. But going for two on the first touchdown informs your next decision. If you make it, great. You can kick the extra point to win after the next touchdown. If you don't make it, you can go for two again to tie the game after the next touchdown. And it's likely that a team fails two two two-point conversions in one game. It happens. But you got to feel good about what is your two-point play repertoire and how you feel he can do it against your opponent that you're playing. That has to be factored in most importantly because you, can, you can't you can sit there with an inferior team and think, oh, yeah, I'm not going to miss two two-point conversions in one game. Like, hell, you're not. If you're not good enough, you're not going to do it. But if you're good enough, you have to make that determination. So this gives you the math, though, that it gives you the greater chance of winning than attempting to tie and go into overtime. So um, he made an aggressive but sound decision and was rewarded. After the game, um, you know, um, I think that LaFleur's made a really good decision there. Now, Brandon Staley's fourth down attempt from their own 25. Now, they were up by four with 151 remaining with the ball on their own 25-yard line. The Vikings had no timeouts remaining, yet Staley made an extremely aggressive decision go for it fourth and one and failed. Understandably, everyone is ragging on Staley for the decision. And now, um, you know, let's let's defend it for a second. Um, it comes down to whether you trust your offense to get one yard or your secondary, which is being torn apart at that point to get a stop. So if we're going to make a point, and he's not going to make this point, He's not going to point out a certain part of his team. But in the second half, the Vikings scored on a long touchdown pass, 36 yards to K.J. Osborne, 52-yard pass to Jefferson Jefferson. On the drive before, they got a one-yard, got to the one-yard line before being stopped on fourth down. Before their last fourth down attempt, the Chargers converted 66% of the third and one and fourth and one situation. So they were taking a 66% shot at ending the game in their eyes. If they had punted, the Vikings would have had the ball around their third own 35-yard line with 140 remaining. It would have been difficult to score, but at the rate that the Chargers were giving up explosive pass plays with all the weapons that the Vikings have, I understand the desire to put the game on his offense's hands. In essence, do I like the decision? I do not. I don't think it's fundamentally sound. But let me just explain the decision. He's saying, I don't have a secondary or defense that can get a stop, so I'm going to try to stop with my offense and score. Um, That's the bottom line. Now, Josh McDaniel's decision to kick a field goal down eight points. 
The Raiders were down 16 points in the fourth quarter. They cut the lead to eight after scoring a touchdown and converting a two-point conversion. After getting a stop, they drove to the Steelers' eight-yard line, but they kicked the field goal, fourth and four. It looked even worse because McDaniels made the decision twice. Early in the drive on fourth and six from the Steelers' 30, they attempted a kick, but the Steelers were penalized for leveraging, which gave them a new set of downs. Even after getting a second chance, McDaniels squandered it again with conservatism. Um, the Raiders were down one possession. After the field goal, they were still down one possession. Instead of trusting the offense to gain four yards, the Raiders needed to get a stop with the Steelers trying to bleed the clock, get the ball back, drop the length of the field again, and score a touchdown. If they didn't convert, they'd have to do the same exact thing but needed a, to score two-point conversion at the end. If the Raiders had a good defense, I could understand the decision a little bit more. But they don't. At that point, they had given up 23 points to an offense that was by far the least efficient in the league in the first two games. Um, so they, the Raiders cut their chance of winning the game by about 6% by making the decision to kick. So the best decision was to try to tie the game and force the Steelers to score rather than to get a first down to put the game out of reach. Eric Bieniemy abandoning the run. Uh, despite the Bills being an elite pass defense, the commanders leaned into their strength by airing it out. Um, how frequently a team passes the ball on first and second down to the first 23 minutes of regulation uh, is a tendency we look at. In week three, the commanders had the second highest rate of any team in that category, despite also having the second highest rushing success percentage. The Bills stayed in their typical too high defense and dared the commanders to run, but the enemy kept passing and not only passing, but looking to go downfield into the strength of the Bills' defense. On the first drive of the game, the enemy called runs, gains of five and seven yards on two of the first three plays. The commanders then passed on five straight plays that ended with an interception. This was a defensive look that the Bills repeatedly gave the commanders on first down. Um, the defense was a nickel personnel, two safeties deep in the, with the ball in Bills' territory. After the motion, nickel corner Teron Johnson had to enter the box and play linebacker. That's a good-looking run look. In the third quarter, down 16, um, uh, after Sam Howell was intercepted, again, the commanders ran the ball twice successfully, gains of 6 and 13. Then they went back to being pass-happy with fourth grade throws. They got sacked on first, second down, ineligible man downfield penalty on the third, completion one-yard loss on third and 22. Even when they're in 12 personnel, one back, two tight end, two wide receivers, the Bills stayed nickel and two deep safeties. Um, the commanders gashed the defense for a 23-yard gain on his own read. Remained a two-possession game until the fourth quarter, so it's not like the commanders had no choice but to abandon the run. The Bills intercepted Howell four times, sacked him nine times. Sometimes you have to take the ball out of your young quarterback's hands. And Andy Reid has been guilty of abandoning the run in the past, and the enemy did the same in this game. It's a learning experience for him. He doesn't have Patrick Mahomes, and he's going to figure this out. The running game has to be a bigger part of the offense moving forward. The last thing I'm going to talk about is the Vikings' decision to not spike the ball. After the aforementioned failed charges fourth down, the Vikings squandered their chance to score with their messy hurry-up tempo operation. With 41 seconds left, Kirk Cousins hits tight end T.J. Hawkinson to get the offense to the Chargers' six-yard line. Instead of spiking the ball, they try to run play. Cousins said after the game that they had trouble hearing the play call from Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings ended up wasting 24 seconds before Cousins threw the game-ending interception. Um, before the snap, Cousins looked 
Cousins looked rushed. He didn't have a chance to read the defense pre-snap. He made a bad decision worth throwing it into traffic. The decision to steal a play didn't make a lot of sense because in that situation, time is more valuable than a down. When Hawkinson was tackled on the previous play, there were 35 seconds left. Realistically, they could have spiked the ball with 20 seconds left, getting a chance to mentally reset and have an opportunity to run three plays. That would have been ideal. So some thoughts about some coaching decisions when breaking down the game. We try to do that every week to try to give you a little insights into the whys. People will criticize, people will praise certain decisions without really understanding um, fundamentally enough about what is the options and what is the, the scenarios that truly are pertinent uh, to understand when making these decisions. So hopefully that gives you a greater insight into the game and the games. You can get greater insights on this on the college and pro game at LandryFootball.com. Want to know if Penn State's ready to challenge Michigan and Ohio State, the Big Ten? We got that for you right here at LandryFootball.com and on the Landry Football Podcast Network. Uh, how much has C.J. Stroud improved? Um, the latest on offensive tackles and how they're being evaluated a little bit differently now. Um, power rankings in the NFL. Who stood out? The college football superlatives this past weekend. Same with the NFL. One-stop shopping football. College football, NFL, from a playing, coaching, scouting, front office perspective, LandryFootball.com is where you want to be. Take advantage of the football season offer today, or you can try it out for a month or six months, whatever. Also, subscribe, like, and share to the Landry Football Podcast Network on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Folks, always great to be with you. We appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you again next time, everybody.